0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Card Insights. Box battle today. We've got a couple of boxes from the nice folks over at Panini, and I already opened them, the box of 2023 Phoenix football and another box of 2023 Absolute football. A couple of brands that I like, but I never thought about uh, which one I like better or what the pros and cons are. So thanks, Panini especially, but also Tops and Upper Deck and Heritage auctions, Hugs and Scott auctions, Mike Stadium sports cards, Burbank sports cards, com, and Beckett Media, Beckett grading, Beckett authentication. As I'm occasionally buying some boxes just to break and open and see what I get, then I, I get some from the companies occasionally, and that's always appreciated. I'm a statistician. I have advanced training, and some of this thinking that there are conspiracies and loaded boxes. Frankly, they're usually not doing the math correctly, the statistics correctly, the probabilities. It's unlikely for anybody to pull a great card, but somebody will. And that doesn't mean that somebody had an inside track or was a cheater in any way. It just happens how it happens. And if you buy a bunch of product and open a bunch of product, or watch people opening a bunch of product, you're going to see a bunch more hits. And that's part of the allure and the fun of uh, of breaking. But I'm not a case breaker. I just occasionally will break a box. And I'm realizing now that when I'm breaking a box that's a bigger box with a lot more packs, it takes a little bit longer. And uh, there can be some nuggets in there. But I'm figuring out that maybe my sweet spot is not the low end and not the super high end, but something in between. And maybe some of you are like that too. First of all, the the 2023 Phoenix Football, 12 packs of five, two autographs or memorabilia. I actually got two autographs, and then I got another uh, game-use card. Then the 2023 Absolute Football, three packs, actually three little mini boxes of five cards each. And the promise there is three autographs and two memorabilia cards. And I got what I was supposed to get. First of all, the Absolute Football is about 50% more. So I could buy two Absolute boxes for the same price as three phoenix that doesn't mean it's a better deal or a worse deal and for some of you it's matter of budget it's 500 bucks versus 750 or 475 versus 725 ironically it just seems like the more expensive boxes are less cards Uh, but even some people like that i'm not comparing notes with people, but the the size of your collection says a lot about the way you collect, and so the way you collect would dictate what boxes you'd be interested in. So, absolute only fifteen cards, Phoenix sixty cards. I'm old school. More cards is better to me, but uh, not junk. But none of these cards are junk because they're nice cards. The prices of the boxes, why can't all the boxes be 100 bucks or 500 bucks? Then a few boxes that are super expensive, the ultra high market could be thousands of dollars. That's not what I'm going to do, but some people like that. But could there be a standard price for boxes? And there really can't be. It's a competitive environment, there's different brands. But they price them based on uh, the cost they have in it and what they think uh, people will be willing to pay. So it's not just cost plus, it's looking at the history of the brand. But the cost of the product is driven by there's some fixed cost and some variable costs. And the variable costs have to do partly with what assets are put into the product. If you put more assets in the product, the cost is going to go up and therefore the price, at least the SRP. And again, if these assets and the rookie class for that year and there's something special in there, it can drive up the price above SRP if people get into a frenzy for that. But most of the assets are autographs and and game used material, perhaps sometimes some special treatments on inserts, uh, the price of cardboard, it's not the price of ink, In fact, I don't think the cost is driven very much by uh, serial numbers or even one of ones, basically, because that's just the printing technology. And even the collation and the sorting, a lot of that is automated now. Some of the very special cards, I think, are put in on a more limited but random basis. But you open packs, you can just see there's a routine. You get a bunch of good cards, and then in the middle or at the end, you get a a nice card, a, a special card. I tried to decide before I opened. I thought maybe I'll like Phoenix better because it's more cards. But my 15 cards from Absolute were all good. But the clues of why I would like something or not sometimes are just right on the box. I mean, that's the same decision everybody's got to make. You walk into a card shop or a show and you've got some money and you want to spend it. And uh, what are you going to spend it on? So you could buy individual cards. You could buy boxes. And if you're going to buy a box of football, Panini is the licensee at this point in time. They've got several brands. I know when I look through the dollar boxes, I see a lot of phoenix. I see a lot of mosaic. I see a lot of prism. I see a lot of optic. I probably don't see as much absolute as I think about it now. But again, that would make sense if there are less cards there. But an awful lot of mosaic color. And I was thinking I don't really like phoenix and mosaic as much as I like prism and optic. Because prism and optic are to me are a little bit of a cleaner look. On the other hand, you know it's Phoenix and you know it's Mosaic, and over the years they've stayed with a with a certain kind of card design. But in the package design, I look at that to try to get a clue there and I try to figure out what's going on here, who's pictured on the box. If it's a young player, a retired player, an older player, uh, a rookie, a quarterback, whatever, and is there uh, Panini was in a difficult situation for quarterbacks. It's a very competitive situation. I'm seeing Justin Jefferson on the Phoenix box, prominently displayed, and Bijan Robinson on the Absolute, who was a Texas guy. And then I look at what's being touted, and are they touting the autographs, touting inserts? What exactly are they touting? Look for ultra-rare inserts such as Enfuego, Genies, and more. I didn't get any of those, but I did get some autographs and some cool-looking inserts. They make it very clear on the box that they have dual licensing from the Players Association as well as the leagues, the teams. So they're allowed to use that, which will be something to consider because in future years, they don't have either or one of those they may not have. In fact, it's most likely they won't have at least one of those and maybe both. Doesn't mean they can't make cards. It means the way they make cards would have to change. I'm a big one on the continuity of branding. I think brand is important. Phoenix means something. Just the look and feel of the cards. I've mentioned, I don't understand how Rob Veris can look at a bunch of different Phoenix cards and realize that one is one year and one is another year. When I'm going through the dollar boxes, there's just they're Phoenix cards or mosaics or e- even the absolute, but there's enough continuity that at least you know what brand it is. The year I did some openings for upper deck and I noticed there's a lot of criticism since COVID has started that the, the years of the products can be challenging. And I think they're challenging for the companies. They're not trying to make life difficult. But even what they title it is based on what's on the back of the card. Usually it's the same as the copyright date on the back. In the old days, we worried about whether something was issued, distributed early in the year, early in the season, as as opposed to postseason or late in the season. And, And earlier was better. And sometimes there's, again, clues for that when you can see players in uniform or any mention of something that happened early in the year. And so, like I said, earlier to me is better. One shout out to Panini. They get some bad raps occasionally. But when we're talking about 10Xing the hobby and Fanatics is talking about it, I think Panini already did 10X the basketball hobby. Now, not everybody's happy about that, but the growth in the category of basketball was during the exclusive regime of Panini. So I thank them for that. The challenge is not to grow the category as much because you could just print more. It's to grow the category responsibly. The criticism of them is they increased the number of cards they were making and they raised the price. That sounds like good business. If they raise the price too high, then uh, they won't sell through. And I believe they were selling through. In fact, they were selling through and selling out in in many of these years. Panini really is responsible for ushering in their uh, philosophy of parallels and I I am a player collector. I'm more of a player collector than a team collector. I'm not a complete set collector anymore. So having more cards of my favorite players or, or interesting players is, is of interest to me. And so having 75 different parallels, I admit it is excessive. It sounds excessive. But when they're doing their market research... People aren't saying, I don't want more different colors of Patrick Mahomes <laughs> or, or their favorite players. They're not just guessing about this. They've studied it. My situation on the parallels is that when you're doing all these parallels, and there's so many, you think, gee, are they all going to get sold? Well, they're not all equally valuable. Our dilemma doing the price guides, the way we did it is it, it just was really difficult to track all those things when there were so many versions and we had to use multipliers. It's a lot easier when you're doing parallels of inserts where the the nice thing about inserts is you're dealing with a smaller group of players and they're generally the better players and higher demand. And so you could track, but some of the obscure players that have uh, one of ones or one of tens, things like that, they're so uh, rarely traded. It's hard to get a handle on those. Sometimes let me cut to the chase. I I actually preferred the Phoenix. I was not shocked, but it, it was more cards. I liked the design Usually, I just pick up interesting Phoenix cards in the dollar box, but when I open the Absolute, I, I really feel like when cards are thicker like that, you've got to get them graded if if they're better cards. The grading is more necessary on thicker cards. I generally try to stick a penny sleeve. You, you've got to get the, the bigger, wider like the vintage penny sleeves, and I have a bunch of those around somewhere, but they're all mixed in, so it's difficult. So I guess that was a, a little problematic. But I like the uh, like the absolute, and think that was good. But I've got to send a couple of them in for uh, for. Reading. I've never had this happen before. Number one, I got a six card pack in the Phoenix, but one of the cards in the interior, and I don't know how this could happen, was uh, dented was indented. If You look at the card kind of like the player's right ear lo- looked like it was uh, pushed in in a little crease. It didn't go all the way across. I thought that was strange. On the other hand, I got a bonus card. Now, could I turn that in to Panini and say, hey, I want to clean. I think cards coming out of a pack ought to be 9, 9.5, 10, maybe an 8.5, but they're generally all centered well and uh, clean and crisp. But this one wasn't. But if I set it in, there's a cost of setting it in. There's a hassle factor for them as well as for me. And so I'm certainly not complaining. I'm looking at it as a bonus card. Maybe some of you should do that too. And then lastly, this also has never happened. I opened the Phoenix box and I made the decision that I like the Phoenix better, more cards. And actually the Luke Schoonmaker that I got would go on my wall if he comes on stronger as a cowboy, a tight end. I don't know that he will because the Ferguson guy's doing well. And so if he's second string, he probably shouldn't go on my wall. So I'm going to hold that. So I don't necessarily immediately put things on my wall, but it's wall worthy if he becomes a starter. But what tipped the thing, and this, again, I'm a very careful person. So I'm opening up the box of Phoenix and then I'm comparing to which one I liked better. And I don't think I'm getting older. Actually, I know I'm getting older, but I'm not getting too old. I counted the Phoenix cards and I came up four cards short. It would have been five cards short, but I had that extra card there. And there had been a pack that slipped. If you open the box, you can see it's it's a kind of a complicated box, and it had gone to the side and slipped over in there, and I didn't see it until I went back through. So I pull out that pack, I open it up, and it's got a short print of Justin Jefferson, numbered to ten. I'm thinking. That takes the cake. Glad I I glad I caught that. It's a nice looking card. That may be the the card I put it because I don't have a Justin Jefferson on my uh, wall at this point. So that might be my wall card. So always appreciate cards from anybody, whether I buy them or trade for them or have them given to me as a podcast sponsor situation. Thanks, everybody at Panini. Thanks to all you listeners. Keep enjoying the hobby. You have to keep opening boxes. I'm realizing I can't tell people not to open boxes. You should open boxes because that's the lifeblood of the hobby, opening packs and boxes. And yet, which boxes? That's why I'm typically doing box battles. Panini's got a lot of different choices. Phoenix was a good one this time. Absolute silver medal. Thanks, everybody. Be back again in a couple of days with another episode.